Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Cooling. Um, sorry to say, Rush Nation, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm under the weather. Um, this is going to be my, my Jordan flu game. But, uh, but joining me, I've got a fantastic guest, hopefully, to, uh, to bring the heat and, and make up for where I'm struggling. So joining me is Anthony Crente. How are you doing, Anthony? Good, Rich. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the invite. No, it's, it's, you know, been had this one on the calendar a little while. Very much looking forward to, uh, to getting you on. And, and I think we've got, hopefully, an interesting topic today that, uh, that should get... Some some conversation started, shall we say? I think it's uh, yeah. Ho- hopefully, a little bit hot takey. I love it, man. Get the people talking during summertime. Absolutely, hot well, for summer. Hot for well, summer. Absolutely. Well, you know, <laughs> as I was saying to you before we started recording, it is absolutely miserable here over in the UK. We've had rain for what feels like a month. So I need something to warm me up and feel like summer. That's it. Got to warm it up takes. somehow. Absolutely. So I I tasked Anthony with. Um, essentially coming up with three kind of hot take sell now players. So they are essentially sell now players, but I didn't just want, you know, your, your traditional boring Josh Jacobs, people like that. I wanted someone that, you know, might, might cause a little bit of debate. Some of those high priced assets that people might not think about as perhaps sell now options. So, uh, so where, where are we going first, Anthony? Well, the first guy, when you first asked me about the topic, 
the guy that immediately came to my mind is Dalvin Cook. And I know that I feel like Dalvin Cook is pretty consistently ranked, you know, in the top five. He's in my top five dynasty running backs still. So it's not like I'm out on him as a player. But statistically, there's one thing that I continue to come back to with and leaving out, I guess, the fact that he's kind of always been banged up, never really finished a season, but whatever. Running backs rarely play 16 games anyway. But the crazy thing to me is that since 2010, there's only three times that a running back has had 300 plus carries in a season and then improved on his yardage total the following season. So it was Derrick Henry, right? Outlier of all outliers. It feels like pretty much across the board who I said to sell last year too. So so Derrick Henry, Marshawn Lynch and Ray Rice did it uh, like back in the early 2010s. So, I don't think Dalvin Cook is bad, but I think the value is so high for him still that if I can flip Dalvin Cook for a younger running back at the position, because frank, fl- frankly, in Dynasty, I don't want to be stuck with too many running backs like that are like second contract running backs. Um, so if I can flip Dalvin Cook for somebody younger, whether it's like a you know Cam Akers plus or J.K. Dobbins plus and recoup some early draft capital with it, I'm all the way on board. And I think Cook is still a good enough player that you can get that big return for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, always be selling second contract running backs. It's a, it's a nice adage and it's a, you know, a really good thing. I think, yes, you'll, you'll hear people go, oh, but I'm, I'm win now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a contender. I, I need to build around him this year. But my, my response to that is always, you, you don't have to sell for picks. You can always sell and, as you said, buy back years, go and target those kind of second running backs. It feels like at the moment with the running back position, we've got kind of two classes. There's the second contract running backs of Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, someone like Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, and the second year running backs of that incredible mm-hmm. rookie class last year. And there's yes, there's a couple of people in the middle of that that perhaps we'll get to one of those a bit later. But and, and there's sort of nowhere in between. And I think that if you can make that move from a Dalvin Cook to that second second year running back, maybe get something on top, you're gonna to put yourself in a really good position from a, a roster. Yeah, for sure. Point. The the one question I've got for you though is do you think that because you know it, it feels like everybody is trying to buy back years at the running back position, do you think that sure. perhaps you're almost a little bit late selling that Dalvin Cook. Do you think that everybody's almost a little bit aware that you're trying to sell him, if that makes sense? I think we're, if we're not there, we're close. Like, I think that the window closes pretty soon. Like, if we get into the season and it's, you know, he's got a couple games or he starts off the season where it's like, oh man, he's not going for a hundred plus and a couple of scores every day or every Sunday, then, you know, things, things change quick. But, but yeah, that's why I would, if you're still holding them or if you're still rostering them. And like you said, I'm not selling them for peanuts. It's pretty much, I'm either riding it out and probably getting stuck with them or flipping them still, if I can get the the big return late. But I think a lot of leagues, like people like for us and people on Twitter or people that do this, like all the time is different than uh, in a lot of like home leagues. Like I think in a lot of home leagues, there's still that guy, you know, that's, star chasing or chasing a name and it's like yeah he you know still holding Todd Gurley somewhere <laughs> but yeah um so I think that you're right it's probably close to being like okay there's not going to be a huge market to buy them but I think that most leagues uh, more casual leagues I guess probably still have people looking to acquire them yeah and I think 
my advice, I guess, if I'm trying to sell Dalvin Cook is now's probably not the time in terms mm-hmm. of you need to sell him probably this off season to get the peak return on your investment. Yeah. But now everybody's obsessed with rookies. Everybody's looking at age. Everybody's trying to sell those aging veterans. Give it two, three months when training camp started, when we're in that sort of redraft season, if you want. And people yeah. are suddenly thinking about just, oh, Davin Cook's a first round pick. And, yeah. and that's the opportunity to sell. So sell before the season starts, but perhaps not at this, at this precise moment in time. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, so my, my first guy I'm going to sell. So this is one of those running backs in that sort of middle tier that I, I hinted at earlier. So this is Nick Chubb. So um, I threw this out a couple of months ago and I, I got a little bit of pushback um, because everybody's saying, but he's, you know, he's still on his rookie contract and y- you're going to get, why, why are you selling him now? You're still going to get a few more years. But I think for me, that's the exact reason why I'm looking to sell. I'm looking to always sell running backs at what I perceive the peak of their value. And if anything, I'm trying to sell them a little bit before that obvious sell window. And I think that for me, Nick Chubb sits in that now of his rookie contracts is up at the end of this season. He's a free agent. Yes, the likelihood is he's back in Cleveland again next year, but they've got Kareem Hunt signs to next year. Are they going to spend more money at the running back position? Could we see Nick Chubb? in a different situation. And we all know with free agent running backs, they tend tend never to work. So for me, I'm, I'm certainly not just going out and giving him away, but I'm starting to see if I can sort of float Nick Chubb out there. Cause I do think that this is the peak of his value as such. What, what do you think about Nick Chubb as a sell? I think it's a good point because I don't think it's like a stone cold lock that he returns to the Browns after the rookie contracts up. And even if he does, like we've already said, you know, trade second contract running backs. Um, but Kareem Hunt is the interesting piece of the whole dynamic to me where it's like, why really pay Nick Chubb? And, and not that to minimize what Nick Chubb is or who Nick Chubb is as a player is a great running back. But if I'm the Cleveland Browns, why am I going to spend a ton of money to bring him back when every time he gets the, and I don't want to say every time he gets the opportunity, that's hyperbolic. And when Nick Chubb went down with injury, Kareem Hunt wasn't as great as we all hoped. <laughs> but Kareem Hunt's been a lead back in the NFL before. We know he can do it. He's done it. And even though he wasn't as efficient as we hoped, he still produced while Nick Chubb was out. So I just don't know what the future holds. And I don't like that uneasiness. It's you know the same reason why I said before that I mentioned to sell Derrick Henry last year. Well, I didn't think Derrick Henry would get the big contract either. So like, I don't like that uncertainty and I don't really, you know, like we said, we're trying to get rid of them before the second contract typically anyway. Uh, So I get it. Twitter will tell you that Nick Chubb is the second best running back in the NFL and that you're crazy to trade him. But I think there's totally a case for it, especially if you, you know, uh, have enough depth to get by in the short term, I would trade somebody like Chubb, like, like how we were talking with Cook where, oh, maybe you flip them and buy back a couple of years at running back. I'd be okay trading Chubb even if it like I didn't get a running back back in the deal. Like if I had running back decent running back depth and could get back a wide receiver I felt good about, plus, you know, future draft capital, whether it's 2022 or even some stuff in 2023, which I think is really going to be an interesting draft class, especially for running backs. Yeah, uh, I'm on board. Like if I can add a, a decent amount of future capital, like people I think out there will pay a pretty hefty price for Nick Chubb still. Yeah, and I think that his perhaps value and his the way the the, the industry and, and the world is valuing him 
to me, over, overweights his production over the last couple of years. So, for example, at the moment, he's being drafted per DLF ADP. So he's the running back eight overall. And last year, he finished as the running back 11, which was eighth in points per game. In 2019, he finished 11th in points per game. And I think that, to me, he's that back-end RB1 that I feel, if he's my RB2, I'm, I'm absolutely loaded and I'm delighted. But if he's my RB1, I don't think I've got a great advantage. But I think he's still being held up as one of those great RB1s that you can lock and load into your roster kind of thing. And, you know, you hit a great point about the contract. I think, you know, I came into this off-season thinking that believing that the salary cap was a real thing and that, you know, teams teams couldn't just spend what they wanted and, and still get under the cap. But <laughs> perhaps I've been proved slightly wrong because, uh, yeah, I still don't quite understand how the Eagles and Saints managed to get under the cap. But at some point, all those contracts are going to come due in, in Cleveland. You've got Miles Garrett on a big money deal. You've got Baker Mayfield. You know, he'll be on fifth-year option. He's going to be, you know, if he is the starter, he's going to be probably earning close to 40 million a year, which seems mental for Baker Mayfield, but it's the way quarterback <laughs> contracts are going, yeah, isn't it? Just what so, it is, yeah. Are they going to want to have Baker make it filled on for contract? Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett, plus Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And I just wonder if Nick Chubb is that odd man out. And if he does end up moving somewhere in free agency, his value is just going to plummet because we've we've seen it time and time again with running backs that move in free agency. They, they never reach those heights yet again. Yeah, it's like Cleveland is kind of best case scenario for both Chubb and Hunt right now, right? Where it's like they run the ball so much that both have standalone value. Like even before Chubb got hurt last year, you were happy playing Kareem Hunt in the beginning of the season. It was like somehow every time they got to the goal line, it felt like Kareem Hunt was in or he was just scoring with crazy efficiency and they trusted him to close out games. But there's like enough running game usage for both of them to succeed. But I don't know. I just gut feeling says that they spend those dollars elsewhere. Cause like you said, as whether we like it or not, Baker Mayfield is not going to be cheap on that on the long term extension. Absolutely, and also that offensive line is so good. Like, yes, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Nick Chubb isn't talented; he's is incredibly talented. But that offensive line is probably the best in the league. I feel like I could run behind there and get you know posi- <laughs> positive yards. Shall we say? I'm not saying I'm going to average four or five yards a carry, but I might get <laughs> point, point 0.1 yards a carry still counts as positive. So I, you know, that 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 offensive line is insane and. I think that that perhaps buoys Chubb's production slightly. So enough on, on Nick Chubb. Where, where are we going to next with your second kind of sell player? So my second guy is a wide receiver because I didn't want to just sell nothing but running backs. I felt like it would have been rude to the running back. <laughs> I, had, I had the same dilemma. I was like, my initial sell candidates was just like four or five running backs. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I made a list and I was like, oh, that's not fair. Like, I don't want to <laughs> not sell a single receiver. So my second guy is Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who, similar to Dalvin Cook, I think is still an excellent player. I think he will continue to be a target hog in uh, in Arizona. I'm not really worried about you know AJ Green impacting that in the short term, and Rondell Moore will get involved. But between Moore and Christian Kirk's of the world, I don't think that Hopkins really uh, will suffer from a target share standpoint this season. But really, it just becomes, for me, with him, as great as he is, he'll be 29 next year. And I hate to, like, strictly play the age game, especially at wide receiver when we see, you know, Julio still being Julio at whatever he is, 31, 32. But 
that's the exception, not the rule, right? Like everybody thought Andre Johnson would be great when he was 31 or 32, whatever it was and signed with the Colts. Like the cliff comes quick sometimes. And I think there's still like multiple productive seasons out of Hopkins. Um, so it's not like if you're a contender, you know, sell Hopkins for pennies. But I think if you're a team that whether you're trending towards rebuild or like took over an orphan that really needs a rebuild and, you know, Hopkins is on the roster. I think he's a prime trade candidate that you can still get decent return for that pretty much everybody still values like a back end wide receiver one at worst, I think. Um, and he'll still be productive. And I think you can flip him for, you know, kind of like with cook, whether it's just future picks, but I think you can really age down at wide receiver. Like I think you could trade DeAndre Hopkins and get somebody you feel good about that's significantly younger, whether that's T Higgins or, um, uh, I don't know what the package looks like if you try and include him in a deal for some of the higher end guys like CD lamb, but I think you can trade DeAndre Hopkins for T Higgins plus, And that's something that I'd really be open to if the team, if my roster construct was open for it. Yeah. I think the thing for me with DeAndre Hopkins is when you throw out a name out like him and particularly at the wide receiver position and people are like, well, what's the point in selling him because he's still going to be productive for two, three years. It's, it's like Julio Jones. Two years ago, he was an obvious sell candidate, not because you were saying Julio Jones isn't going to be great for the next two years, which is, I yeah. think, what you're saying with DeAndre Hopkins. I think you still think he's going to yeah. be good for the next two years. But for the, sure. the value of the asset is going to decline because people yeah. are going to stop, stop valuing him as that wide receiver one. Because You cannot give Julio away. You can't exactly. give Julio away in leagues. It's incredible. I still have him in one... Uh, one dynasty league and I have literally tried to sell monumentally low on Julio Jones this off season. And it's just, people don't want him at all, like strictly just because of the age. And I still think he'll have a good year too, for what it's worth. Absolutely. But yeah, it's for me with Hopkins, it's I'm going to sell him now while I can get some value for him because he'll be 29. And I think once he hits 30, 31, really when he hits 30, even if he's productive in age 29 season, I think people look at him like, okay, he's 30. I'm not trading, you know, a first plus or anything of real significant value for him where I think right now coming off of, you know, another season of 160 targets where he's bound to see probably 150 plus again this year, probably a lock for a hundred receptions and close to, you know, 1300, 1400 yards, probably 1400 ish with the extra game added. I'm selling them now before it's totally gone. And then you're just, yeah, maybe you get two, three more productive years out of them, but you have to try and stay ahead of the curve. And that's how you build a dynasty, right? Like you don't want to get stuck holding a bag of just aged veterans that nobody will pay anything for. You need to, with DeAndre Hopkins this off season, you need to make a decision. It's either you're selling him now and you're maintaining that asset value on your roster okay yes you 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 might lose a little bit in the short term in terms of you might move from a John Joe Hopkins who's going to be a probably a top five wide receiver again this season to maybe a top 12 wide receiver but you're maintaining that asset value or you need to make a decision and say I am riding John Joe Hopkins until he retires because as you said with Julio Jones you can see it now with someone like Adam Thielen who's you know, value is plummeting. It'll be the same thing with Derek Henry. You can't trade those oh, yeah. players and get fair return for them. So if you miss that last sell window, which DeAndre Hopkins is in, and I think Dalvin Cook, as you mentioned earlier, is in, you're basically saying, I'm holding on to this player 
until they retire because at no point am I going to get fair return on that value. And I think that John Hopkins is in that final window now. If you don't sell now, you, you're basically saying I'm riding him until he retires. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's fine if you like. I'm at that point with Julio where I still have him, right? Like it's over. I'm not trading him. I'm just till the wheels fall off, baby. Like I hope Julio plays till he's 40 at this rate, but because you can't, you can't get anything for him. So it's fine if you want to ride it out, but if you're expecting to, you know, roster Hopkins this year and then, well, I'll trade him when he's 30. Well, nobody else is going to be the other dance partner for that. Like nobody else is going to be interested in taking on that asset and saying, sure, I'll give you my, you know, middle around one rookie pick plus a, a, you know, a young asset. That's just not how any smart player at the, any smart fantasy player is going to look at it. Yeah, or you're selling him at such a reduced cost that you might as well just hold on to him. Because as you said... Yeah, you, you're selling him for you, twos and threes. <laughs> yeah, which... And, and no one wants to do that with Julio and no one wants to do that with DeAndre Hopkins in a year's time. So it's a case of I'm either selling him now at the peak of his value or I'm just riding him till he dies, basically. Um, totally agreed. Now set the internet on fire with this next one. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I feel like this is maybe the hottest take around but I also feel like I made this same statement this time last year. So maybe not quite so hot. So, um, so this is my next sale is going to be Christian McCaffrey. Um, now this is purely based on the fact that he is the RB one overall. And I think that whenever for me, you get a clear cut number one at a position like running back where the wheels fall off incredibly quickly, you're, you're, you're not doing yourself you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't sell at the maximum value. I said this last year with Christian McCaffrey because he was the clear cat, you know, 101 in one QB leagues. And he was in some cases 101 in Superflex leagues. And, you know, he had a fantastic year when he was healthy, but he was injured all year. And I was convinced that if that was the case, his value would drop below the RB1. But we've had that season and he's, he's still being valued as the RB1 this off season. He is still you know, valued at three plus firsts, I guess, maybe even pushing four. And I think that if you don't sell, unless he has a top two or three season this year, people are going to start writing him off, you know, the same way we talked about with with Julio, you're going to start seeing him written off as an aging asset and you're never going to get that return on your value. And I think that when you've got a player that is worth so much like Christian McCaffrey is, you've got to at least be exploring that sell market because, you know, you could easily get what someone like a Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, even Jonathan Taylor, plus picks on top, plus another young asset. And if you can buy back two, three years at the running back position and still get elite production, I think that's, that's the move to do. And I just think that, um, you know, I've said it before, always sell running backs in second contracts, sell running backs as they're approaching the second contracts. To be honest, just always be selling running backs. Yeah, it's kind of the harsh reality of the position. And like, it feels bad to say sometimes because it's like, I remember growing up and like loving watching these running backs. And still, it's like, there's like that throwback of like, oh, running backs, fantasy football. Like you associate it like in the early days of all of us playing redraft where it's like, yeah, you start your draft with two running backs. But now it's like, I, if I could trade Christian McCaffrey for Jonathan Taylor plus smash, except every time, like it really, any of those running backs you mentioned, if I can flip Christian McCaffrey for pretty much the running backs we all love from last year, Dobbins, 
Swift, um, all of those guys plus picks. I'm all the way in. Like I'm so in on it because Christian McCaffrey is great. But like we said before we started recording, there is nowhere to go but down when you're the wide receiver one, the RB one, the QB one. Like you can only maintain for so long before it catches up with you in a league that's filled with parity on a year to year basis. Um, so I think that you know history suggests he won't finish as the RB one. So you might as well sell him while he's valued like the RB one. <laughs> and and I want to be clear, if I've got, you know, I don't play in many one QB leagues, but if I'm in a one QB league and I've got the 101, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey because I think he yeah. is the most valuable asset. I think he is, you know, the most valuable non-quarterback asset in Dynasty. But I just think you've got to be exploring that trade market because, as you said earlier, he, he has got the supreme kind of name value and he is being held up as the number one asset and I think that you can get an absolute haul and I wouldn't do it as in I'm going to stick him on the trade block or update my trade button and do that because I don't think you get good value with that but what I would do is I would start having conversations with owners and start making you know at this time of year everybody thinks they're a contender Everybody thinks their roster is <laughs> so the one true. that is going to win. And I think that you have, if you're in a 12-team league, you're going to have 11 teams that are interested in Christian McCaffrey because they'll see him as that that one piece that will put him over the top. And you could get an absolute haul for him. If you got a player back of somebody that you really believe in, like say it was Jonathan Taylor, would you trade Christian McCaffrey for Taylor and a one? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was trying to think like how how much can we scale back like the future draft? But I think I would do Taylor. I think I would do Taylor, and I'd I'd have to think seriously about Taylor in a second because I think yeah for me I've got McCaffrey and Taylor in in the same tier. I think I wouldn't ever have to accept Taylor in a second because I think I can get more than that. But if that was the very best offer right. I could get, I, w- I would probably take it. Which, yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. So your, your final pick, Anthony, <laughs> who are we going here? We're selling more running backs, baby. Absolutely. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, my third guy is Packers running back Aaron Jones, who... I was selling this time last year as well uh, because I hated the uncertainty with the contract. And like we said, I think a hundred times so far trade running backs approaching their second contract, but Aaron Jones, he's a great player. Like he really is, but he's kind of a weird player in the sense that the totals are never like crazy eye popping. It's efficiency, you know, in the middle of an offense, you know, uh, headed by a future hall of famer at quarterback that maybe does want to be there, maybe doesn't want to be there. (laughs) So I think trading him right this second is like more difficult than it probably was a month ago. Uh, And maybe you're better off just riding it out for the time being, because I think ultimately I don't think Rogers gets traded out of green Bay. I think that all settles down. He probably signs an extension and then I trade Aaron Jones. Um, like you can, same way you're not trading Devontae Adams right now because whoever you're offering him to knows that you're panicked about Aaron Rodgers never playing there again. Exactly. But Jones, like as good as he's been the last two years, he's never run for over 1,100 yards in a season. So it's not like he's put up these big Dalvin Cook numbers, you know, 1,500 yards or 1,600 yards, some of the guys that we've talked about before. 
but he'll be 27. They have this weird group of running backs behind him. Like they drafted AJ Dillon a couple of years ago. They draft Kylan Hill this year. So Jamal Williams leaves, but there's still two more guys that figure to probably be at least slightly involved in the offense. And I remember thinking last year, like, okay, he'll regress to kind of what the norm is in terms of scoring touchdowns. But he's, I think regressing from 16 rushing touchdowns in 2019 to nine rushing touchdowns in 2020. Like I can't pencil him in for being a lock for like double digit touchdowns. Like I think that probably comes down even further uh, with Devontae being a target monster, Amari Rogers coming in there. And I think AJ Dillon is going to be more involved than people are really expecting. Like he was a couple of years ago, what a second round pick for the Packers. If I remember right out of Boston yeah. college. So I don't think he's just a player that's go- – I know everybody was penciling A.J. Dillon in as you know, locked and loaded RB1 when we all thought Aaron Jones was leaving in free agency. Um, but I think even though Aaron Jones sticks around, I think A.J. Dillon will be more involved than people think. And I'm still going to float him out there for a player that I think I might be lower on than some others. I feel like I pretty consistently see him ranked either as a back-end RB1 uh, or a high-end RB2. I kind of view him in that, I guess, mid- to high-end RB2 range, not like an RB1 at all. Um, so if I could flip him for, again, maybe somebody slightly younger, or if he's somebody that's aging out and I've drafted good running backs the past couple of years as well, maybe I had a couple picks last year and landed some of those guys from that draft class. Uh, if I could flip him for, if I was wide receiver needy and get something like, uh, I know a guy that we've talked about, but if I could flip Aaron Jones for like Jerry Judy plus, like if I could do something like that, yeah, baby, I'm all the way in. <laughs> I think. Yeah, and I think that you know the the dream sell window was literally the second Aaron Jones signed that contract in Green Bay because yeah. <laughs> as soon as he signed that, people suddenly thought, oh, he's you know he's going to be around for four years. I think you know, let's be honest, it's not a four year contract at all, is it? It's a two year contract that yeah, they're, they're going to get deals. out. Yeah. Every deal is a two year deal, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that I think he's he's a great option to sell. My my one concern about selling him is I I don't know if you can get the value of kind of like we talked about McCaffrey cook Chubb, you know, there, there's that name value there. I don't know if Aaron Jones has ever been held up as that stud, despite the fact, you know, this is a guy that finished as the RB five this year. He finished as the RB two yeah. last year, but he's never, ever been kind of in that same breadth as, you know, cook Kamara McCaffrey Barkley. And I think that he's always been that tier or two below. So, my only hesitation with selling him is I do think he's he's the ideal candidate to sell. I just don't know what you're getting in return. And I think that, you know, I, unless I'm getting that amazing return, I'm probably a little bit hesitant. I think, you know, looking at DLF ADP, he's going as the, the RB13 currently. That's exactly where I've got him ranked. I think, yeah, looking at the guys around him, you know, there's Najee Harris, CH, Etienne, you know, people like that. I don't know if you're able to get those guys plus an asset for someone like Aaron Jones. What, what do you think? I think it might be tough. So I, I traded Aaron Jones in a league. This was a, like a year ago or leading uh, over last summer. And I ended up trading him. It was for Kareem Hunt and a first. Right. And I think that is like the return that you're probably still getting. Like, I think if you're getting a running back, back in the package it's probably somebody that's viewed as more like a lower end rb2 uh and you know maybe some draft capital 
Um, but like in that trade, it ended up where it was like, okay, I traded Aaron Jones and that pick turned into JK Dobbins. Really? So it was like, eh, I'll take that. Like, and I probably trend a little bit higher on Kareem Hunt than most do. So I came away pretty happy with it. But I think if you're looking for a running back in return, yeah, it's probably one of those guys. Like if you want a pick plus a running back, I'm looking at my rankings real quick. Maybe, you, I don't know, maybe you get them for Chris Carson plus. Like if you're a yeah. team looking to contend, but that's a kind of a lateral move at best. But if you're trying to recoup some draft capital, it could be interesting. I do wonder if Aaron Jones is that candidate at, at this time of year. I've, I've talked about a couple of articles, a couple of podcasts. Those future picks are so undervalued at the moment. And that, you know, you talked about that 23 draft class being incredible. 2022 doesn't look like it's got that top end talent, but it's going to be three times the size in terms of players entering the draft than, sure. than, than this year's draft. So there's going to be some great players that pop out of nowhere. Um, maybe that's the guy that you do trade for those future picks now, whilst they're undervalued, you're not getting that, you know, you're not buying back years. You're, you're not getting that younger player plus an asset, but if you can get two firsts for Aaron Jones and then in the season, you can use those two firsts to go and go and buy another player that, that might be blowing up. Or if, if you're not a contender and, and you're just looking to rebuild, you can use those two future firsts for, hopefully some good players down the line, but I just don't know if you're getting a good player plus an asset for Aaron Jones, I guess is my concern. Yeah, I think it's a good point. But like you said, I think it's also a great point. People forget sometimes like the draft picks, like these rookie picks only go up in value. Like the closer you get to that rookie draft season, like I want as many, even though I've, you've already seen a little of like fade 2022 draft picks, like the 2022 draft's not going to be as good. I want as many 2022 and 2023 picks as possible. Cause like you said, there's going to be more, a bigger player pool for 2022 and 2023, I think is going to be fun, especially from the running back position with Bijan Robinson, uh, tank Bigsby. Like there's going to be some dudes even, in 2023, even wide receiver. It's got, you know, yeah. the, the stud down LSU, Keisha Pute, you know, that, yeah. that, I'm very excited for 2023, but, I think, as you said, everybody's saying fade 2022, but if you're giving me three times the amount of players that are declaring for the NFL draft, there is going to be some incredible value this time next year in those rookie drafts. And I think, yes, there might not be those incredible elite stud names that that we're talking about now, but this time last year, no one was talking about Zach Wilson. This time a year ago, no one was talking about, or two years ago, no one was talking about Joe Burrow. It's, you know, guys appear out of nowhere. And become yeah. future fancy assets. It's the reason, you know, it, Devi would be nice and straightforward if everybody just it was a nice conveyor belt of the five star recruits <laughs> become the studs in college, become the studs in the NFL. It works yeah. like that most of the time, but it doesn't work like that all the time. Yeah, but it, you know, exactly what'll happen is the cycle kind of rolls on, and we'll get to this time next year, and we'll all be talking about how much we all love Brees Hall and yeah. how how much we liked him better than you know. Javante Williams or some of these guys from this year. And I love Brees Hall. And I think there's going to be good players next year. So the whole fade 2022 thing never really made sense to me. If you were going to like, there was good players this year, obviously like there was a a pretty exciting group of top end talent, but if you were going to like fade a rookie draft, like wouldn't you fade this rookie draft? Absolutely. You know, like, <laughs> as we said, there was, what was it? 600 players declare when normally it's like 13, 1400. It's, yeah. you know, everybody was saying, oh, it's gonna, this draft's going to be so deep. But when there's hardly any players declaring, there's those second round picks are suddenly, 
you know, you thought you were going to get these great studs in the second round and, and it's just not worked out like that, is it? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my my final sell candidate, again, this, this feels like I'm just going after sort of what I'd class as Twitter darlings, but uh, this is a guy that <laughs> that for me, I think is a great player. Don't get me wrong, but he is 25. He has just finished the second year of his rookie contract. He has never finished higher than the wide receiver 20 and yet is being valued as the wide receiver 13 currently in ADP. And that's Terry McLaurin. Um, I just think that, you know, he was a ridiculously late declare. I think that he is sneaky old and everybody seems to forget how old he is. He's perhaps gotten a slight upgrade at quarterback, but I'm not convinced that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, the second coming. I think I've spoken about my hatred for Ryan Fitzpatrick as a Jets fan a few times. And I think that perhaps I'm a little bit lower than most, but I just don't get how you can value Terry McLaurin as a, you know, essentially a fringe wide receiver one ahead of, you know, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Alan Robinson, guys that have done it for longer and better than he has and have got more stable and better situations and are younger in a lot of cases. Um, so, yeah, if I can get wide receiver 13 price for Terry McLaurin, I am absolutely taking that and, and running away before someone realizes what they've just done. Yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy how old he is. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you forget. And I don't mean that like he's ancient, but even when you said it, I was like, oh, man, you do kind of forget that he's that old, that he was a late declare, that he did kind of come on strong at the end. And I think he's a great player. Um, but I think that he's really tough to put ahead of some of those other guys that you just mentioned. And you see it pretty consistently, especially when I know his situation's not been great, but I don't know. Like he just hasn't done it the way some of these other guys have, but Twitter and fantasy hate Amari Cooper. Like everybody seems to hate Amari Cooper. And that's the perfect example of like, I don't know how Amari Cooper is behind Terry McLaurin. Like (laughs) I just can't. That's something I can't I get, get behind. It. I don't get it. I don't but. get it. See, here's, here's another guy, okay? So I've got them back-to-back in my rankings. It's Juju Smith-Schuster, okay? Juju Smith-Schuster is on a contract year. He's in his fifth year in the league. He's a year younger than Tony McLaurin. That's crazy. And, yeah, I get that, you know, they've both got unstable quarterback positions. We don't know where either quarterback's going to be in a year. We don't know where either player is going to be in two years because... I don't know if Washington are going to re-sign Terry McLaurin. Who knows? But I don't see how you can value him as that wide receiver one when he's never produced more than the top 20 season. And I get that people will say, but he had bad quarterback play last year. Well, so do lots of guys. I don't think that he's going to come in and, and be a wide receiver one with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, I sorry, I, I just don't see it at all. I mean, Allen Robinson's had bad quarterback play his entire career. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect case. There you go. You know. And also, Terry McLaurin's gonna see more competition for targets. You know, they've brought in Curtis Samuel. They've got okay, he's not gonna be a target monster, but they've got Diami Brown and and they they're adding assets to that offense. And I just don't see how he's gonna be, you know, a, a, a true wide receiver one that he's being valued at. So for me, you know, if I can get probably a first and a second in terms of future picks. If I can, 
you know, if he's being valued at wide receiver 13. If I can get Deontay Johnson plus, if I can get, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster plus, Cortland Sutton plus, I'm, I'm absolutely doing that move 100 times out of 100. I mean, unfortunately, I don't have any Terry McLaurin shares because I'm not really a fan, not a believer, and I seem to value less than everyone. But, so I'm calling him a sell, but I can't go out and sell him. But, um, but yeah, if, if I had some shares, I'd absolutely be selling him this offseason. Yeah, I think I, I think he's a good player, a fine player, but it's that disparity between where he's kind of viewed as a whole and where I think he really ends up. Like, I think that, you know, wide receiver 15 to 20 range kind of is what he is. Like, I, I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's, you know, locked in like a wide receiver one, like he gets treated sometimes. So if you can, like you said, sell him for wide receiver one prices, I would, I agree. I would absolutely trade him for Deontay Johnson plus uh, Sutton, Judy, any of those guys that people have a little bit further down. I think Juju is an interesting one. I would probably do that too. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting case of why he, and not to like disparage him, he's a good player, but I do think that despite Fitzpatrick's, I guess, willingness to target wide receivers, like it's not like he's the only wide receiver. Like Curtis Samuel is going to be involved. He got a decent deal to go be involved there. Miami Brown, like you said, it seems likely Antonio Gibson gets more involved in the passing game. You would think if there's, you know, if there's a real plan in place there, Um, (laughs) it seems like a waste to not do that. But I don't know. I I don't see how he finishes as a back end wide receiver one. Uh, I don't have that. Like I haven't finished projecting out Washington yet, but I don't see how that happens. And also, Again, not not wanting to sound hot takey, I'm not fully convinced that Ryan Fitzpatrick plays 17 games for Washington this year. I'm, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. Everybody, I don't know what's happened. Okay, over the last five years, where the people have seen <laughs> the beard and suddenly forgotten. This is a guy that, yes, has shown some incredible flashes through his career, but every time he's been relied on as a starting quarterback, has completely blown up. This is a guy oh, yeah. that for the Jets was walking towards the playoffs all he had to beat do was beat a terrible Bills team and i <laughs> yeah. think it what was and it he turned into four, a pumpkin <laughs> what was it four, four picks inside the first two quarters wasn't it it, it was, was horrible i mean horrible. it was it was outrageous and he's you know he did the same thing in tampa he, he yes he had some great flashes in miami but there's a reason why he's played in so many places on one year deals he will go to washington he will have some incredible performances from a fantasy perspective he will have some ridiculous, you know, throws down the sideline into triple coverage that managed to just get plucked out of thin air. But at some point, you know, he will turn into that pumpkin, as you said, and and he will throw yeah. two, three picks and end up costing them a game. And and I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see, you know, Taylor Heineke came in. I was really impressed with him in that playoff game. I thought he looked yeah. fantastic. And I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Taylor Heineke ends up starting more games this year than Ryan Fitzpatrick because at some point Washington need to say Fitzpatrick's not our future if he's not going to lead us to the playoffs why don't we see what we got in Heineke and make a decision if if he's not the answer then we know we need to go out and get a quarterback this offseason but I'm, they right. know already that Fitzpatrick's not going to be answered next year and beyond is he yeah it's that's a weird it's a weird situation honestly like it was weird for me to see them make that make him be kind of the decision they went with or the priority they went with to address quarterback. It's like, 
okay, I get, I get it. Like you have a good defense and you've got some weapons and the team should be ready to go or ready to compete. And all you need is a quarterback. But if that's the case, like make a play for a quarterback, you know what I mean? Like I would have rather them, you know, be aggressive in going after a Justin Fields or somebody in the draft and have your future solidified, or at least have come in and compete with somebody like Heineke. And then, you know, you've got options, but Fitz is people just get caught up on the, like, Oh, he's fun. Like he's, he, oh, he's got the beard and he, he wore that Deshaun Jackson tracksuit at that exactly press conference that. and he does cool stuff and he will throw the ball down the field, but he's not very good. And if he was, he would have, you know, latched on someplace when every team seemingly replaces him after his short run as the starter or like interim starter. It's like you said, you'll get some blow up fantasy weeks where it's like, oh, wow, fits through for, you know, 304 touchdowns downs and then the following week he'll melt down and throw four or five picks and that's the ryan fitzpatrick roller coaster exactly that. <laughs> exactly i'd have understood it more if washington had gone out and got someone like an andy dalton who is you know yeah. as mediocre as they come but you know what you're getting with him he's going to be low turnovers he's going to you know distribute the ball to his playmakers you're going to run the ball well and you're going to play great defense and i'd, I'd have gone right washington's got a plan i know what they are yes andy dalton's not the long-term yeah. answer but they're basically saying we think we can win the game with our running game, our weapons and our defense with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, he will win you some games, but he's also going to cost you some games. And I just think that I'm I'm not convinced that he's a good thing for Terry McLaurin. I'm not convinced that he's a good thing for Washington. Yeah, it could end horribly. We've seen it end horribly. It has everywhere he's been. Exactly that. Exactly that. History suggests it will end horribly. <laughs> exactly that. So now, now we've we've got through some some negativity, both in terms of selling players, but also ranting about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I feel like I, I've got to get a Ryan Fitzpatrick rant at least sort of once a month. Just, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, so flipping it, who who's a player that you're you're looking to buy at the moment, Anthony? Who's someone that you think is is perhaps undervalued that that you can go out and buy and and would be a great great guy to go and find? Somebody I've. I have, frankly, a lot of shares already, but I'm still trying to go and acquire as many as I can because he's cheap and it's Damian Harris. And he is like, I really like Damian Harris to be the guy that, and I think there'll be multiple guys involved in New England in the backfield. Like, I don't think it'll be cut and dry. I don't really expect Sonny Michelle to be one of them. Like, I could ultimately see that backfield being Damian Harris, James White in the pass catching role and Ramondre Stevenson kind of being the new Sony Michelle who just kind of, you know, does the in between the tackle stuff. But um, I think Harris is a guy that when he got the chance last year and got the opportunity clearly looked better than Sony Michelle. If I don't have it right in front of me, but I want to say he averaged just about five yards per carry. He's not a guy that's going to chip in a ton in the passing game, but for what you can get him for right now, I think he's going to be the leader in that backfield. I think he's somebody that you can rely on as a solid, you know, like RB3, like RB2 in a pinch on a bye week sort of thing, but somebody that you can play kind of confidently as a flex or a low, uh, an RB3. And, you know, somebody that I think will get a decent workload without having to go spend a huge amount on a running back. Because even like aside from the guys that we were talking about, it's obvious sells to us, the McCaffrey's, the Cooks, all those guys. Even if you're trying to trade for, say, you know, a Clyde Edwards Alaire or a Miles Sanders, like it's not cheap. Like nobody's selling those guys dirt cheap. So for a position that I think 
despite wanting to sell them as they're aging out, I still want enough of them to obviously fill out the roster and play with consistency. And I think Harris is that nice blend of he's young enough. He's cheap enough. I think he's going to get a decent enough workload that he's somebody I'm trying to acquire, especially if it's for later round capital bench stash kind of guys. Like I think nobody seems to really be holding on too tightly to him. Like I think he's available almost anywhere. Like nobody's really married to like, I need to keep Damian Harris on my roster myself included, but that's the reason why like, yeah, I'm going to go get as much of him as I can because I think he's going to be the leader in that backfield and I'm all about the cost for it. No, I, I, I love it. It's, it's really an interesting thought because, you know, when you ask someone for their favorite buy candidate, you normally get, you know, Justin Jefferson or CD yeah. Lamb, you know, yes, everybody wants to go and buy those. Sure, but it's so expensive. <laughs> but I think, I think Damian Harris is it's a great option. You know, I always say that I try to avoid those sort of RB2 plodder types because of the cost it takes to acquire them, you know, your your Melvin Gordon's, your Ronald Jones, your Raheem Mostert's, but I think he's probably a little bit cheaper and and those sort of guys. But I think that Damian Harris is basically those guys at half the cost. I think you can probably get him for what, maybe a late second, maybe, you know, a, a future second, maybe even less than that. You might even be able to yeah. get him for kind of two thirds or something like that. And I think that yeah, I think that offense is going to bounce back. I, I do think his ceiling is capped because we know he's not going to get much passing work and we know if Cam's the quarterback, it's going to cap his touchdown potential. But I think, yeah, he, he's a he's a decent fringe RB2 flex type that you can go and buy dirt cheap and, and we know he's going to carve out a role because he did so last year and I'm fully with you. I think Sony Michel's cut. I don't think he makes the roster this year, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I don't think he makes it out of training camp and, just to put a bow on it for Harris, like that's the perfect way to put it is I think he's a player that can finish as an RB2 that you can go pay RB3, RB4 prices for. And that's what's attractive to me. Like like you said, I think maybe you flip a couple threes or a late second for him. If you, uh, if you haven't done your rookie draft yet and you need a running back, if you can flip your late second for a guy like Harris that you can at least pencil in for a workload or what else you're going to, you know, Kenny Gainwell's going on the back end around too, but, you know, good luck figuring out what that situation looks like. Maybe it pays off in the long term, but if it's something where you need somebody now, I think there's worse ways to spend that capital than, than Harris. Yeah. To be honest, in this year's draft class in a super flex league outside of probably the two Oh four, maybe the two Oh five. I think I'd rather Damien Harris than every single one of those guys. Cause there, to me, there is a real kind of drop off once. once yeah. Once, um, you know, Carter, Sermon, the Moors, once they go off the board, that's it. It to falls me. off. Yeah. And I'm happy to go and move any of those picks after that for a Damien Harris, who I think could, you know, can I get two years of production out of him? Absolutely. And, and at the running back position, if I can get two years, I think that's a, a fantastic deal, to be honest. Absolutely. Who's the guy that you're looking to go out and buy? Um, I, I still think this is, you know, perhaps a guy that I, I got a little bit of t- take lock on, but I, I really like Raheem Mostert. I think that you can now go and buy him for essentially peanuts. I think yeah. that Trey Sermon, yes, I think he's going to be good, but I don't think he's going to come in and, and be the, the lead guy in that offense. I think you can go and get Raheem Mostert for, honestly, you can probably get him for like a third or a fourth. And I think that he's going to put put up fringe RB2 weeks. I, I don't think he's going to play 17 games, but when he's healthy, you're going to be able to feel comfortable starting him. Um, 
at the wide receiver position, I'm, I'm absolutely going out and buying. Well, I can't go out and buy any more shares. I think I've got enough. But it's Deontay Johnson. I think I've got him as a top 12 wide receiver. I think he is, you know, an incredible separator. I think that, to me, target volume is a talent. And I think that, you, you know, I don't buy into this, that, that there's targets that go around and each team has set targets. I think that players demand targets and earn targets. And I think John Z. Johnson is absolutely that. And I think that to me, he's got the potential to be a, a wide receiver one this year. So if I can go and buy him at, you know, fringe wide receiver two, three costs, I'm, I'm absolutely doing it. I think with like people got way too freaked out with both Deontay Johnson and Jerry Judy with the drops. Like people lost their minds over it. Like, Oh, he dropped the ball. He's done. Like he's never going to be good. But like you said, they keep throwing him the ball. Like, the opportunity is the biggest thing. He creates consistent separation and like, okay, he dropped the ball, but you can fix that. Like he can at least be coached up on that. I value way. Like, I don't want to say I value way more than being able to catch the ball, but I don't think he can't catch the ball. I think there's, you know, things he probably needs to work on, whether it's concentration and things of that nature, but the ability that he has and somebody like Judy has as well to consistently separate is more valuable to me than a lot of other traits at the wide receiver position. 100%. I think, to me, drops are the, the most overrated stat in fantasy. I think people talk about drops, and to be honest, I, th- I almost count them as irrelevant because if a guy's getting 150-plus targets, there's a reason why. And, you know, he's going to catch 100-plus balls this year. Yeah, he, he might drop 10, but I couldn't care less, to be honest, because all I'm worried about is the 100 that he's catching. It only matters for certain players too. You ever notice that? Where it's like nobody talks about that CD Lamb dropped like one less pass than Jerry Judy did, but like Jerry Judy will never fix it, but you never hear it about CD Lamb. One one of the highest career drop rates in the NFL ever, Calvin Johnson. <laughs> Literally yeah. nobody nobody ever talks about Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson, okay. The, the epitome of an incredible receiver, you know, physical freak, huge pup insane stats from a fancy perspective yeah Yeah, he he had really high drop rates almost every year (laughs) and everybody just seems to have forgotten that nobody cares because it's crazy when when you're catching 150 balls and putting up 2000 yard seasons no one cares and that's not me saying you can leave those other 10 on the ground exactly exactly (laughs) and as you said it is very much the type of player and i think that jonte johnson it's, it's just something that people use to hammer him and I'm absolutely buying the dip if I can get a value because people think he's he's dropping. I also think part of the thing with Deontay Johnson, he had those two games where he played, what was it, a, a couple of snaps in one and, and the first quarter in the other and went down. So it affects his points per game stats because he played in those games but didn't put up his stats. So I think yeah. people are looking at him and going, oh, well, you know, he was around Claypool. He was wide receiver, what was it, 24 in points per game, things like that. But if you take those games out, he was like wide receiver 13. And yeah. For me, that's that's where I'm valuing him. I think he's he's an absolute stud that, as I said, I've, I've pretty much got in all of my leagues. But yeah, if, if anyone wants to go and sell me more shares, please do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it's been fantastic having you on, Anthony. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's always great to have a chat with you and, and really enjoying talking through football with you. But where, where can the listeners hear you? Where can they read your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the invite again. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. Uh, episodes of my podcast of the same name, the Dynasty Drive, come out uh, every Friday. Every once in a while, there's like another random day in there if schedules get crazy or something like that. But typically Friday mornings, those are out. Uh, I do some written work over at NFL Draft Bible. 
um, covering mostly um, mostly the Big 12 for Devi, but some other dynasty and fantasy relevant stuff as well. And uh, do a little bit of written work over with uh, fantasy intervention too. So uh, check out all that stuff. NFL Draft Bibles over at si.com backslash NFL backslash draft and uh, fantasyintervention.com for a bunch of great content from those guys over there as well. And I appreciate it, Rich. I love, uh, love everything you're doing. Always happy to talk football with you. Uh, thank you very much. And thank you so much for coming on. You know, it's great to talk football, but also, you know, the content you're producing, the, the, the podcast, I'm a regular listener and all your written stuff is, is absolutely fantastic. So thank you ever so much. Um, before we go, guys, I just need to have a, a little plug of myself, shall we say. Um, so earlier in the week, I launched my Dynasty Survival Kit. So you'll find it as my pinned tweet on Twitter. Um, that's got my positional rankings, rookie rankings. It's got an auction calculator sheet. It's got a trade value chart. It's got a roster value chart. It's It's got everything in there. It's absolutely free. Um, had some really good feedback, but by all means, please go and use it, go and abuse it. It's uh, hopefully a useful tool for people. Um, but any questions, any feedback, I'm, I'm really happy to, to have a chat with you and, and work it through. As I said, it's launched this week, so it's still a work in progress. And hopefully I'll be adding some things to it over the, the days it is, as we come. It is excellent. And the fact that it is free, everybody should be checking it out. It is Great, great stuff. I literally, you posted and I sent it in the group chat of like my home league guys too. I was like, you need to check this stuff out. Yes, I love it. It's awesome stuff. Well, thank you very much. That's, that's awesome to hear, bud. And uh, yeah, we will we will be back next week. Um, got another guest. Um, so yeah, be safe and we'll see you again next week. a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 